Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the water cooler. Thanks for being here. I'm David Brody. It's Monday, April 12, 2021. Well, look, we have all heard of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, home to Uncle Joe and his biting and defecating dogs. But 992 miles due south is another major power center, Mar-a-Lago. As you know, that's where POTUS 45 resides. And this past weekend, it was a who's who of GOP politics convening down there and in the Palm Beach area to discuss the way forward for the GOP. Many rising GOP stars were also there to meet and break bread with the biggest star of them all, Donald J. Trump, the owner, I don't know if you've heard, the owner of Mar-a-Lago. He's also the owner of still the hottest political brand in America, MAGA. We're going to discuss all of that. Plus, ethical objections to the COVID vaccines. We will explore how these vaccines were manufactured using cells that came from human fetuses that were aborted decades ago. And all she wanted to do is tell people through her COVID mask that Jesus loves her. Instead, what she got was a lawsuit saying, take that horrible mask off. We're going to speak to the attorney in the case. But first, the state of Maganation, a big confab down in Palm Beach this weekend, including hobnobbing with POTUS 45 at Mar-a-Lago. And all of this comes as the Biden administration begins to trot out its major infrastructure bill with bipartisan meetings today at the White House. Of course, apparently to the Biden White House, infrastructure, and I'm putting it in air quotes, means whatever you want it to mean. It's not just roads, highways, and bridges. It's also social infrastructure, apparently, like welfare reform, child care, who the heck knows what else. I'll tell you one thing, the infrastructure and fabric of our Constitution is what really needs protecting. But liberals clearly want to update that document, too, because after all, in Joe Biden's own words, no amendment is absolute. And those words are actually absolutely terrifying. Joining me now to discuss all of this is Dave Bossy, president of Citizens United. Hey, Dave, let me start first with this weekend's GOP Palm Beach meetings. Uh, so what's the strategy by donors, top officials to recapture Congress and ultimately the White House, Dave? Well, the president's solely focused on winning back the House and Senate in 2022. And everything that he is about, everything that he's doing, uh, whether it is recruiting candidates, endorsing candidates, raising money, uh, and, and, and participating in the public discourse as far as making sure the American people understand exactly what Joe Biden's radical agenda for America looks like. That's what the president's focused on. And, and we, you know, after the midterms, he can focus on the future uh, for himself, but that's his uh, main goal. And that's why he was down at Mar-a-Lago meeting with the biggest supporters of the Republican National Committee. Ronna McDaniels was down there uh, leading the effort as chairman, uh, chairwoman of the RNC. And I, and I got to tell you, the president is, is really focused on making sure that the American people ju know just how radical Joe Biden has turned out to be. Dave, I want to put up a headline that the Associated Press ran over the weekend. Uh, they, he, they went with this, Biden 
Republicans with a question mark. And then it says some in GOP open to president's agenda. Uh, what, what do you <laughs> make of this? I know you're laughing because, you know, it seems like the media loves to push this narrative that uh, and the Biden administration, as a matter of fact, is saying that they have bipartisan support. But they, that, where's their bipartisan support on anything? They're talking about polls, apparently. Well, first of all, uh, the Biden administration is lying. They continue to lie. It is really, unfortunately, Joe Biden talks about unity during the campaign. He talks about unity out of one side of his face. And, and he is absolutely the most radical left wing socialist president this country's ever seen. And so, you know, for them, it's it's just politics. They say they make these things up. They say Republicans are, are supporting this. I know of no Republicans, not one Republican. They talk about in this, I guess it was an Associated Press poll. There were literally four so-called Republicans, uh, voters, not elected officials, who say they are for Joe Biden's agenda or some piece of it. I find it to be ridiculous that the Biden administration lies about unity. They lie about infrastructure being bipartisan. And the mainstream media, instead of calling them out, instead of making them prove it, uh, they go along with it. And the American people see through it. They know that the mainstream media is that, that the media is partisan. Uh, they know that they're they're in the bag for Joe Biden uh, and Joe Biden and the Biden administration takes full advantage of. It. You know, it seems like conservatives have to deal with one thing after another cancel culture and big tech censorship. Now we're into wokeology, this wokeism by corporations. Uh, you put you had an op ed over the weekend and I want to put this up for folks. Uh, just type in Dave Bossy op-ed, you'll find it. Uh, and this is what you say. As the fascist woke mob continues the politics of personal destruction by punishing the state of Georgia over false allegations uh, about its new voting law, the Biden administration, Major League Baseball, and companies like Coca-Cola and Delta turn a blind eye to China's human rights abuses and voting crackdowns in Hong Kong. Talk about the duplicity here, Dave. Well, it's, it's quite honestly uh, what America should be doing, and that's leading on what China has been doing uh, for decades now. Uh, and the president, President Trump, was a leader on holding China accountable. Uh, Joe Biden, who he and his son Hunter seem to be in the pocket of China, uh, they don't talk about the, the, the human rights abuses, the atrocities, the, the, the forced labor camps, uh, the crackdown on Hong Kong, democracy in Hong Kong, they don't talk about any of these things because they want to blame President Trump. What Donald Trump did during his presidency was hold China's feet to the fire on all of those things, including trade. Uh, and, and now we see uh, after one year and 550,000 Americans losing their lives to the Chinese COVID uh, virus. They want to blame President Trump for calling it the China virus instead of holding China responsible for the China virus. Uh, they want to make it about politics. And it's really they, so they go after the, the woke mobs, Coca-Cola and all of these big corporations who do big business in China. They do big business in China. Uh, they don't want to affect their their bottom line. Uh, internationally so that they don't say anything about China, but they do say they don't vote in China. They don't vote at all in China. Uh, so, uh, you know, we don't see Coca-Cola talking about uh, boycotting the Olympics, which will be uh, hosted by China next year in 2022. We should be boycotting 
uh, China, over the 550,000 American deaths. We should be boycotting over what the crackdown in Hong Kong. We should be boycotting over the China virus. But of course, the Biden administration, which is weak, uh, it, it will do nothing of the sort. Uh, and and these, these woke corporations who feel good about talking about how bad the lie about Georgia has become, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, they, they can't stand up to big business in China. Dave, before we get out of here, I want to ask you about Senator John Cornyn's tweets uh, early this morning. Uh, this is what he said. The president, uh, Biden, President Biden, not doing cable news interviews, tweets from his account are limited. And when they come unimaginably conventional, the public comments are largely scripted. Biden has opted for fewer sit down interviews with mainstream outlets and reporters. And then he says this invites the question, is he really in charge? And I must say, Dave, not that uh, John Corn necessarily is watching this show day in and day out, but I've been saying that for a few months now. I mean, I've been saying that for at least last month and a half. I mean, and I asked it in a serious way, who is in charge of this White House? That is not hyperbole. That's not an overstatement. And I'm curious to get your take as to what might be happening inside 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's a great question, David. You and I have talked about this you know, over the last several months. Uh, it, it's a very scary thing. Uh, if Joe Biden was in charge, if he was actually in charge, don't you think we would have seen Kamala Harris down at the border? He would have, he put her in charge of this incredible fraud, this incredibly dangerous uh, policy at the border, this stopping building the wall while at the same time inviting uh, everyone in uh, from across the border and, and creating uh, this human rights uh, tragedy that's going on. Every American can recognize it. If Joe Biden was in charge, he'd be trying to take care of it. If Joe Biden was in charge, you know, th there would be possible uh, uh, unity uh, and bipartisan uh, action on infrastructure. But look, we all know that Joe Biden is a weak president. I don't know day in and day out if he is fully in charge of the White House or is radical Kamala Harris in charge and is the left-wing staff, uh, incredibly powerful uh, White House staff, that senior staff, are they really calling the shots? And I think the mainstream media is doing uh, really journalism a disservice and the American people a disservice by not asking these tough questions. And I think this, this is not going away, folks. Yeah. This is only going to get worse. Right. It's like, where's the hard hitting journalism? Go win a Pulitzer and go figure it out. So, all right, Dave Bossy, great to see you, sir. Thanks for the time. You're great. Thanks for having me. All right, Dave Bossy, uh, minus the bookshelf today, which uh, I'm going to be honest with you, on a personal note, it's a little disappointing. Uh, I like the books behind Dave Bossy. Notice behind Dave Bossy when he's with the books, the Citizens United case that he's very famous for. Not today, but a very good look nonetheless. We're going to have to talk about decorating our house like that. Back in a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Mar-a-Lago is the place to be this weekend for sure. We talked a little bit about it at the top of the show. Uh, Mar-a-Lago, I've been there a couple of times on a couple of uh, personal and social affairs. Thank you very much. It kind of reminds me of my uh, living room at home. Not really. Uh, it's really it's really big, uh, by the way, uh, and a lot of gold. Uh, leave it to Donald Trump. Got to get the gold in there. Uh, Liz Harrington uh, joining us, uh, editor-in-chief uh, with uh, War Room, uh, or the editor-in-chief of War Room. However you want to say it, I mess up the prepositions. Liz, great to see you. Hey, great to see you, David. So tell me about what you made of uh, the Republicans this weekend. We had, you know, the media loves to spin things. And, you know, we talked about, I guess they talked about Trump uh, getting on McConnell's case. Like, that's any newsflash. We know he doesn't really like McConnell. I mean, when I say like McConnell, yeah, he, he liked what he did on judges for him. But the truth of the matter is, you know, he's not a big fan of McConnell. So why the media makes such a big deal of, over everything. What's your take about what happened this weekend? Yeah, it's more business as usual. The elite likes to leak and they like to gossip. But what about results? What about solutions? And what President Trump actually represents were those results, were the solutions, were the actual sticking up for the common man. And I think you see this disconnect between the donors to the Republican Party, the people at the top, and the rank and file who gave them power to begin with. And if they want to have success in the future, they need to continue to support President Trump, and more importantly, his policies, because that was the recipe for success. It's representing the common man, and it's really dire in this country right now, because if they want to do anything, if they want to win elections in the future, well, they should have done something between November 3rd and January 20th. They should have stuck up for voter integrity. Yep. And they certainly need to get to the bottom of what happened now to fix our election system and stand up to these big corporations. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you just use the word rank and file, uh, basically referring to, I mean, I won't put words in your mouth, but magination. I mean, in other words, you know, the Trump wing of the party. I say wing. It, it is the party. So, so five years ago, 10 years ago, if you had said rank and file Republicans, it would have had a whole different connotation than what you just said there, rank and file. In other words, this is Trump's party. Absolutely. And it expanded the party to bigger. It wasn't even about Republicans or Democrats. It was about Americans. It was about getting back to our roots, the foundation, individual liberty, uh, the American dream. And that's what this country is about. That's why we had the greatest economy we've had in generations in 2019. And that's the recipe for success, sticking up for the average American. And this transcends political lines, because if you also saw what happened over the weekend, these 100 CEOs who are out to totally destroy election integrity for generations to come. They liked what they saw uh, after November 3rd. They like Zuckerberg pouring in millions of dollars in bribes with election officials, and they want to keep it that way. They don't want you to have a voice. So. You know, the cocktail parties, the leaks to the New York Times, that's all fine and good, but yeah. it's not going to exist if you don't stand up to these corporations well, and tech oligarchs. Well, and you mentioned, there it is, uh, we want to put that back up, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's group gave Detroit, of all places, Detroit, look at that, $7.4 million to dramatically expand vote and see and city key to Biden win, that according to justthenews.com. Oh, I know them, that's us. So. Uh, What's your take on that specifically? Because you hinted at it, but uh, to, to me, you know, the media always talks about there's nothing to see there. I mean, can, can someone go win a Pulitzer Prize? Can, can someone put two and two together? 
The media has been AWOL on doing this, and JustTheNews.com uh, decides to, uh, you know, look at the records and look at the actual information. Exactly, and it's right there out in the open. Right. This is bribery. This is $7.4 million, and explicitly in the grants, it states how this money went to transporting mail-in ballots. Oh, like at the TCF Center at 3.30 in the morning? Those ballots, when your candidate was losing in a landslide on election night, Joe Biden, this is a fraud. It's out in the open. And the sad thing is we don't have investigative journalism. We don't have freedom of the press and we don't have rule of law. Because if we did, this would, remember we talked about election interference? I kind of remember that conversation happening for four years. This is out in the open, and this isn't the American people deciding who won Michigan. This is Mark Zuckerberg and tech oligarchs deciding who won Michigan. This is so corrupt. It's right out in the open. And just like Hunter Biden isn't going down for the hard evidence on his hard drive from hell, no one's going down for this because we don't have rule of law. We have contempt for law. And these CEOs, the ones who are virtue signaling about voter ID, which France you know, banned back in 1975, why aren't they virtue signaling about what's going on on the border? Oh, because it's the same thing. They want the cheap labor. They don't want rule of law. They want to get rich off America's decline. Yeah, do me, Liz, do me a favor. Go to the trademark office and, and trademark hard drive from hell. Uh, <laughs> that, that's oh, good. it's been around for a while. I can't take credit for that one. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. All right, I want to play you John Boehner, former Speaker of the House. Uh, you know him. Uh, look, um, I don't know. What, you tell me what you think. I want to play this for you. This was on CBS this morning. Maybe some people call him a relic of the past. He's comparing uh, all of the MAGA crowd, which he just kind of calls noise, compared to traditional Republicans. Have a look. Uh, but we've got some people in the party who, who believe more in making noise uh, than they do in making policy. That's it. I mean, that, that, your, your, your take on that. Mr. Repeal Obamacare? I mean, talk about noise. They never did it. And I, it's so insulting. He's got this book out. It's the same thing. It's just, you know, selling books of a bunch of gossip, trashing the very people that gave him the speaker's gavel. You know, the Tea Party movement was the same as the MAGA movement, and it still exists today. And people like John Boehner, they never had the interests of the country at heart. They use their status for power. All they do is badmouth the people that actually, by the way, want to get things done in Washington. They don't just want the status quo where nothing changes regardless if Republicans or Democrats are in power. The swamp gets richer and the country goes off the cliff. He represents the failure of the ruling class. He'll never understand the real power of the people who actually, by the way, care about the policies. That's what the MAGA movement is all about. We care about the policies because the policies of the ruling elite, they're destroying our country, they're, they're destroying our jobs, yeah. and they're destroying our freedom. Liz Harrington, editor-in-chief of War Room, really appreciate your time. A great insight and analysis uh, and just straight shooting. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, look, Liz Harrington, uh, this just in. Uh, she's going to tell it like it is. Uh, and she didn't care. And she's right about the Tea Party. Well, she's right about a lot of things. But the Tea Party and now MAGA Nation, it morphed. It's a little different just in terms of uh, structure and, and, and different people that are coming into the, quote, MAGA tent. But the, the, the bottom line of all of it is very much the same. The infrastructure. That's right. I said infrastructure. Back in a moment. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Joe Biden's got a big budget uh, that he wants to get done. Uh, he's got a lot of other things he wants to get done. The infrastructure bill. Oh, did I tell you there's a crisis uh, uh, regarding immigration on the border? Did I tell you that? Sorry, my bad. Uh, yeah, we've done that, too. Uh, but when it comes to the budget, uh, abortion uh, funding specifically is a major source of contention, especially with many pro-life groups across the country. I say many. How about, how about every single pro-life group across the country? What does that, what does that even make any sense? Like, yeah, a few pro-life groups have an issue. No, they all have an issue. And one of them is Marjorie Tannenfelser, president of Susan B. Anthony List. Uh, Marjorie, uh, we go back a while. Great to see you. Always great to have you on the show. It's great to see you, too. I'm far younger than you are, so it couldn't be that long. But still, I'm so glad to be with you. <laughs> okay, well, let's not invoke our ages on live national television for sure uh all right so look yes. this skinny budget uh you guys put out a press release about this uh and here here's the the headline biden harris administration yep. steps up assaults on scotus and taxpayer bailouts for abortion industry two different things going on why don't you tackle we'll go one at a time why don't we talk about scotus uh, first because yes. that that seems like a obviously a big deal and tied to abortion it is so much. I mean, every week it's a tsunami of new pro-abortion stuff they want attached to whatever random bill. But in, in the case of the SCOTUS uh, commission that uh, President Biden has set up, that's that's purely on his own. Has dunked, He doesn't have to attach it to anything. With an executive order, he's creating a commission to study the Supreme Court, to see what sort of reforms might be necessary. So he set up sort of a faux academic group to study a non-existent problem. And in fact, what could come out of this and what some of the recommendations could be, others are speculating, that there could be, and maybe it's, maybe it's time that we expand the court. Maybe it's time that, uh, that uh, since the first time since um, FDR, we look at packing the court. When FDR tried to pack the court, it didn't work. He was trying to do it for the exact same reason the Democrats want to do so right now. Um, I think Senator McConnell, of all people, has had the best and most succinct and smart reaction. He says, you know, when the, when the left uh, can't, doesn't win, what it does is it attacks the institution where the problem exists instead of actually working within that institution. So if they lose a floor vote, they want to change the Senate rules. If they, want to, if they lose an election, they want to do away with the Electoral College. If they have legislation that falls flat when it turn, in terms of the rule of law at the Supreme Court, then they want to revolutionize the Supreme Court so that they get the result that they want. Of course, you know, David, this would absolutely jeopardize the independence of the judiciary. It would politicize it, make it another legislative body that, com that parties would just compete for how many people they have on the court at any given time. It would be a disaster for democracy. Well, Marjorie, and I gotta tell you, Harry, Harry Reid, I mean, he did this in 2013, right, with the federal appeals court judges and, and McConnell this time, don't you dare, don't do it, it's gonna come back to, to bite you. And then McConnell did it with the Supreme Court nominees. You just wonder, like, this, this just seems such a boneheaded move by Democrats, just, just politically at least. You know, what's really interesting is that in terms of the filibuster, another rule that they want to try to get rid of, uh, get rid of so that they can get the result that they want instead of through the democratic process, the pro-abortion community 
has actually said, no, not a great idea. Let's don't change the filibuster because they see what's coming around when we take back the House, when we take back the Senate and the presidency. They can see very well that the shoe will be on the other foot. So when in doubt, go with what the framers kind of set up and what rules have been for quite some time that have protected minority voices and have protected the independence of separate bodies and uh, and have basically come up with a decent outcome. Like I understand the temptation about the filibuster because it's right. frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. And yet, uh, the messy business of passing laws with integrity is a messy business. It's like being a Christian, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, Marjorie, take me through the abortion funding uh, that that the Biden administration has laid out in this skinny budget that they're talking about. What what's tucked inside there? What do people need to understand and know? Well, we only know the tip of the iceberg because we can't know it all until the very last minute when the appendices to the bill comes out. Mm. But we do know two things right off the bat, and that is domestic abortion funding through the Title X Family Planning Program. There is an 18% increase in that, and it will uh, and it will start to flow to abortion businesses because they're overturning the Protect Life rule in the Family Planning Program. So we know domestic abortion funding is there, at least there. We expect it will be everywhere. Also, exporting abortion to other nations, um, undermining our diplomatic relations in those places that have pro-life laws especially. That money will start to um, go out once again uh, through this bill, if it passes, to nations all over the world undermining their pro-life laws. And then, really, truly, especially now with our what we're seeing going on in China with their human rights violations, the refunding of UNFPA, the China uh, family planning program, uh, among others, but theirs is the most egregious in terms of human rights violations. Um, it would include money for that as well. So an offense everywhere you turn. This is the one group of people that doesn't think that there's a problem with funding abortion through tax dollars, regardless of what our consciences say to us. It's really a, a much bigger jump than any uh, past president has taken, especially right away of the administration. They're being being very bold. So at least they're revealing who they are. Yeah, for sure. As, as we wrap up here, I have to ask you one last question. It's abortion related. It's about vaccines. I, I know there are certain uh, evangelicals, Christians overall, some, small minority, but, but some believe that uh, there's the headline, abortion opponents protest COVID-19 vaccines use of fetal cells. Uh, what's your take on what we know about the manufacturing of these vaccines as opposed necessarily to the actual vaccines that are being injected into people's arms regarding aborted fetal cells from what decades ago here that's right and that that is the difference and that's why it's a little bit it's a little bit complicated uh and therefore i think there is room and we believe there's room for uh, our individual consciences to bring to bear um i don't believe actually forget what i believe Scientists at our Charlotte Lozier Institute, our research arm, have done, have done research on all the vaccines and the use of fetal cells in all of them. The bottom line is basically that the, that the testing and the production that used fetal cells is separated by many decades from what is being injected to your arm right now in, in every case. Now, it doesn't mean that you couldn't have a conscientious objection and say, I don't want anything connected to any testing or anything, even if it was decades ago, that led to the thing that's going into my arm today, right. no matter what. Totally legit. But I think the information that we can provide at, at, um, at uh, LozierInstitute.org, if you go on there, you'll, you can see basically the argument, but also the information about each vaccine. Um, it's just the LozierInstitute.org. Um, you can also go through it through Susan B. Anthony List website. But uh, we get yeah. these questions all day, every day. And it's a, it's a moment for conscience and a moment to get the information you need to, 
to form that judgment. Marjorie, really appreciate you setting, uh, kind of the record straight, but kind of letting people know what's really going on about this issue. So I really appreciate, uh, uh, appreciate you and thanks for being here. Thank you so much. All right, Marjorie Dannenfelder, president of the Susan B. Anthony List. Uh, if you look up Mover and Shaker, there's Marjorie. I mean, she's not dancing or anything. I don't think she, I don't know if she dances, but from a mover and shaker political standpoint, she's right on the front lines of this fight. And that's exactly what it is. Actually, more than a fight. Overall, back. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Jesus loves me. <laughs> You're going, what is he talking about? Oh, look, <laughs> headline. That's all this third grader wanted to do. The third grader told to remove her Jesus loves me face mask. I kid you not. Uh, that This has been going on for a little while now. It's in court. Uh, we want to get the latest from Michael Ross, uh, legal counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Michael, good to see you here on the water cooler today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, David. Well, take us through this case, because this has been there for a while, right? What, what's been happening in, the, in this case specifically? Well, absolutely. You know, this started just because a third grader wanted to wear a Jesus Loves Me mask to school. And she went to school. Uh, she goes to Simpson Central in Mississippi. And consistent with the school's COVID guidelines, she wore a mask, and it said, Jesus Loves Me. Uh, Lydia Booth is an adamant Christian. She wants to be a missionary when she grows up, and she loves Jesus, and she loves telling people about it. But the school said, you can't wear that because it's religious. And meanwhile, they allow students to wear any number, other types of masks, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, masks expressing their favorite uh, politician or their favorite sports team or anything like that. But apparently religious masks are not allowed at the school. So where is this going exactly? In other words, what's the legal argument here that you guys are making? Uh, what, what the school is, is doing the, the typical separation of church and state or something? I mean, I, it, because what, it's a public school? What are they arguing? Well, you know, we don't know everything that they're arguing. Uh, obviously, they think that religious messages are offensive, but the First Amendment specifically prohibits that. The school administrators have no business coming in and picking and choosing which messages should be allowed. And the fact that they removed a third grader's Jesus Loves Me mask violates her right to free speech and her right to exercise her religious views, both under the First Amendment. So you're making First Amendment arguments here uh, on her behalf? That's correct. Yeah. So, so now where is the case exactly? Because this has been going on since what? The, has this been going on for a few months now, right? More than it's that. It's been going on for several months, uh, since about early November. And uh, you know, right now we're trying to get some facts from the school and try and get a lot more information to figure out what exactly was going on. We're confident that we're going to win, uh, but the case is ongoing right now. So it's gonna be you know, uh, at least several more months before we anticipate any ruling from the court. All right, so when you say ongoing, where, where is it in the legal uh, uh, so, tunnel here? So for those familiar with litigation, it's in the discovery process. So we have filed the complaint, they have answered the complaint uh, saying, you know, we accept or deny these types of allegations. And now we are issuing requests, asking them for all types of information, uh, ranging from you know what led up to these policies being passed, what was the decision-making process, and who were the players and actors uh, when they decided to remove Lydia's mask, and you know what have they done after the fact? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, you're you're the lawyer here. I'm not. I'm just like the silly old anchor with emphasis on the old, old. Uh, so, so where what happens now in terms of? Could, could this potentially be a case that uh, a Supreme Court could take up? I mean, this is, th this feels very 
First Amendment-ish in terms of COVID and everything. There's a lot of like a confluence of all different uh, aspects going on here. Absolutely. You know, that's a great question, David. I don't think it's something that, Co that SCOTUS is likely to take up, and that's because the First Amendment law is so clear here. We have such a strong case for saying, look, you discriminated against her for her religious views. You uh, came in, you took her mask off because it was religious. We have that in writing and in video from several different uh, administrators at the school. And the First Amendment clearly prohibits this, you know. Uh, so we hope that the school ends up doing the right thing eventually. But until then, uh, we are going to continue to do everything that we can to defend Lydia's First Amendment rights and, frankly, the First Amendment rights of everyone else affected by this. Do we know what Lydia is doing now or in the meantime, these last few months? I mean, she's wearing a mask with just some sort. Is she wearing any other type of mask or is it generic? Do we, do we know any of that? Well, we got some assurance from the school administrators around December that she could start wearing her mask again, and she has been doing that uh, from time to time. And so she is able to do that at least, but the school still is not admitting that they ever did anything wrong. They are still not taking responsibility for embarrassing and making her feel ashamed for her religious views. And you know, frankly, uh, we're not going to stop until we get something. So let me just understand. So you're saying that she is wearing the Jesus Loves Me mask at times still? Yes, that's right. I mean, she does not wear the mask every single day, but she is able to wear it and has worn it to school several times now since then. Well, look, I'm not look, I'm not a rocket scientist, but doesn't that hurt their case, the school's case to say, hey, this is wrong. You can't do it on X, Y and Z constitutional grounds. And oh, by the way, go ahead and go ahead and wear it in the meantime while we're kind of figuring this out. That doesn't sound all that good for them. Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely agree. And that's one way to look at it. And, you know, the, the another way to look at it, too, is that we're glad that they're at least doing the right thing and showing some good faith while this litigation is going on. And so, you know, I do want to commend them for at least doing that much. Yeah. Obviously, they have not given in in the lawsuit yet, and uh, we expect that either we'll get a ruling or that they will give in. Uh, but it's at least a half measure. Michael, uh, ADF is, is really on the front lines of this uh, COVID constitutional crisis, if you will, this debate uh, in America. And I don't even know how much of a debate it is, but it's definitely a legal scholarly debate for sure as to what is permissible and what is not. What, what are you seeing? What is ADF seeing kind of macro view here as to uh, all of these COVID lawsuits around the country when it comes to religious freedom being under attack? Absolutely. Uh, I will tell you what I tell all of my clients and potential clients. We need people who are willing to stand up for their rights, uh, because if we don't, the government will continue to infringe on them. And you can see it in cases just like this one in Panola, Mississippi, uh, where Lydia wore her Jesus Loves Me mask and they said you can't wear it because it's religious. We've done a lot of church litigation all across the country trying to protect church's ability to gather for religious exercise. And we've won many of those cases and we got, uh, you know, there was another great ruling in California this past Friday uh, from the Supreme Court and a great decision on that as well. So, you know, what we're seeing is this is really largely untested waters legally. And so we need people who are willing to, you know, test their mettle and stand up for our constitutional rights. Not to get into Trumpian politics at all, but, you know, we, we talked for a long time when President Trump was president, how many federal appeals court and district level uh, judges that he uh, appointed uh, got confirmed, if you will. It just seems like these are the type of cases before it even gets to the Supreme Court, because most cases don't, it seems like this this is this is crucial to having the those type of judges in place for uh, for such a time as this, if you will. Yes, that's absolutely right. We want judges who are willing to uphold the rule of law as it's written and as the founders intended it, uh, and that includes a very robust understanding 
of our First Amendment and uh, the rest of the Bill of Rights. It, these are very important. They're foundational to our democracy to be able to agree, to be able to disagree. Um, and we want to see this exercised and implemented at every level of our society, especially yeah. for elementary school students. They're our future voters and leaders. For sure. Michael Ross, Legal Counsel Alliance Defending Freedom. Thanks for being here. Hope you'll come back and, and give us an update. Absolutely. Thanks so much, David. Thanks, Michael. All right. Uh, you know, good, fine work there at ADF, and they take on a lot of different cases all across the country. When we come back, the last sip. Wait till you get a load of this disgusting headline coming up. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, time for the last sip. We should call this the gross last sip. Look, uh, don't worry. It's not like you have to turn away from your television like I'm going to show you something really like uh, gnarling and disgusting. But uh, look at this headline because this is kind of a gnarly and disgusting headline. New York parent seeks okay to marry their own adult child. I kid you not. I'm not making this up. This is not the onion. This is not Babylon B. This is real life, folks. Uh, here's the bottom line. This was a suit filed by a parent in Manhattan federal court on April 1st. Uh, we don't have much, many, much information here. Basically, uh, there, we don't have a gender, we don't have ages, we don't have hometowns, nature of the relationship, but it's a parent who basically, not basically, they want to marry their child. And we should say that incest is a third-degree felony under New York law. It's punished up to four years behind bars, and incestuous marriages are considered void with the spouses facing a fine and up to six months uh, in jail. And so... Uh, th th uh, <laughs> Folks, uh, this is hmm, disgusting. But let me go beyond just the, the, the mere fact of disgusting here. Let's go back, I don't know, 20 plus years or so. Uh, Judeo-Christian heritage in this country is a real thing. Uh, just look at our founding documents. We have a Judeo-Christian history in this country. And nowadays, if you say uh, this nation is founded on Judeo-Christian principles, you are marred, you are tarred, uh, you, put, you have a scarlet letter uh, on you as well, uh, because that is not the majority viewpoint in today's society. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, we are in a Judeo-Christian society. We live in one. And so if you go back 20 plus years or so, civil unions were made to be okay in this country and they were legal. Now, remember back in the day, 20 plus years ago, there was a big fight over civil unions, whether or not uh, they would be allowed to be uh, legal. And there were a lot of folks who were fighting, saying, you can't, you, if, you, if you allow civil unions to be legal, then what's going to be next? And people would say, well, gay marriage would be next. And people were at the time were like, no, gay marriage won't be next. It's just going to be civil unions. This is a nice way to satisfy uh, the lesbian and gay community. Well, guess what? 2015, gay marriage happened at the Supreme Court as it relates to it becoming law of the land. And now where are we? We're in transgender land, right? This idea that chemical castration, you want your 13-year-old to have chemical castration? Knock yourself out. Go for it. I mean, this is where we've got, and now headlines like that where adults, a father or a mother, want to marry their son or daughter? Folks, people said that was crazy 5, 10, 15 years ago. Here we go. Back in a moment. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Time to get the latest from JustTheNews.com with Joe Weber, the uh, news editor for JustTheNews.com. Not to be confused with Chris Weber, the NBA basketball player. This is Joe Weber uh, making a whole lot more money, I'm assuming, than Chris Weber from the NBA. Uh, Joe, good to see you, sir. Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, 
Joe Biden and infrastructure. So we invited these bipartisan, this bipartisan, I don't know why I'm putting it in air quotes, bipartisan. It's bipartisan. He invited some Republicans to the White House. What, what, what do you make of, of that list of, of who he's inviting? Who are these uh, Republicans that are there? Interesting and curious. I think that, you know, typically every time they try to strike a bipartisan deal over at the White House, you get your typical cast of characters, Susan Collins, uh, Lisa Murkowski, maybe Mitt Romney. These are all considered uh, moderates come over there. But as we've seen, you know, this is just kind of not working out. Neither has the uh, infamously, as we knew, the Chuck and Nancy uh, deal when President Trump was in office. That didn't work out either. So he's um, invited a group of people. Now, they originally built as committee chairs, but you really take a look. Some of these people are like Roger Wicker, excuse me, he's the ranking member. He's from um, Mississippi. And but then you have someone like Deb Fisher, who's not even a committee member. You got Don Young, who's on natural resources, which is probably not going to be a big player in the infrastructure deal. But you have to remember, he was on the House Transportation Committee when they wrote that huge infrastructure bill for um, Alaska. Now, I just think that uh, to some extent, he's just going to try a new strategy. He's going to try to go with people who are going to be writing these bills and people who understand policy rather than maybe... Um, the politics around it, which hasn't worked in the past. Well, I mean, he's got some uh, relationships there, too, right? Don, I mean, I don't know what his relationship with Don Young is, but Don Young has been there for a very long time. He, I think he, he has a record to some extent as one of the longest serving members in Congress. I don't know maybe what the footnote is, but yes, you're correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so is there really any sense? I mean, let, let's just let the cat out of the bag here. You know, I got about 20 seconds here. But bipartisanship, look, here's the bottom line. It's more like Democrats are going to probably end up passing this on budget reconciliation. And here, Republicans, go ahead and tinker as much as you want. Uh, but ultimately, we're going to pass with what we've got in the, in the caucus, if we can get Manchin on board. Yeah. It's a little bit of a hot mess. As much as he's trying to get moderates to shrink that down to the 30 percent that's passable, he's still getting so much pressure from um, progressives on the uh, far left of his committee, you know, wanting more green energy parts of it and um, workers' bill of rights. Right. Um, we have a lot, but we're a long ways to go before we see anything solid here. Joe Weber, thanks so much, and thanks for dressing up for the show. I really appreciate yeah. that. Thank that you. is great. That is, uh, that's a good yeah. look. I, they tell me I have to dress up every day. I was going to go with a turtleneck, but I got to tell you, based on my uh, no, Madison says don't say it. Jason Greenblatt tomorrow on the show. <laughs> Goodbye.